Welcome to The Ruck Rover. Good to have you with us as always. And we are joined on the line today by one of the best and hardest to say podcasts. It is Bart Welt from the AF Eloquence podcast. Bart, how are you going, buddy? Good, Christian. Thanks for having me on board. How's things? It's been a while since you were last on. I know. How many weeks has it been? What, it been a couple of months? I think um, it's, we're, we're at the tail end of the season. Last time we spoke, you were on the end of a spray of mine, not you personally, but you just had to bear witness to it, about Brendan Bolton and caretaker coaching. And we are still in caretaker coach land, absolutely. But I think yeah. you copped that last time. So whenever that was, probably around May or maybe early June, I want to say. It's been a while. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? It's been a fair while. They've had Teague for, yeah, a couple of months now. But, well, I've, I've been good, mate. It's obviously, you know, the end of the season for um for my club. It's been a few weeks, really. There was a little Hail Mary there, a six-week period where they kept it kept us alive with this uh, new coach, um, which was fun. But, you know, uh, it's all over for those Saners at the moment, unfortunately. Well, we, um, didn't, we didn't time this intentionally, but we are now talking at a time when your club and mine played each other on the weekend. We are going to get into that very shortly. But speaking of your podcast, let's give you a quick plug, the AF Eloquence podcast. You recently were actually in the same room as your co-host yes. for the first time and someone who has done every single podcast over Skype. Let me live vicariously through you. What was that like? Talk me through it. Absolutely. Well, it was a fresh experience for me and it was weird. Well, first of all, it's weird that it took um, myself moving interstate away from my friend to get us to do uh, a podcast or to do something <laughs> together, which we talked about for a long time. So maybe that's the thing. If you ever need to do something, move away and it seems to happen easier. But anyway, so Emil, my co-host on AF Eloquence, which I'm getting better at saying, the joke's still funny. I think uh, I still Emil messed up Sydney. when I first said it to start this podcast. I think I messed up your name and somehow said the podcast you, right, oh, so nailed it. Well, you nailed You nailed. That's <laughs> more important in my opinion. You nailed the podcast. That's the hard one to say. Bart's easy. AF Eloquence, pretty tough. Um, but so Emil, my bud, was, uh, yeah, he's up in Sydney for he's doing some work, some stage managing some shows up here. And um, so we're in the same room for the first time. And, yeah, it was um, – it was fun, dude. It's nice. It was nice being there, being able to, you know, have your tea and chink it before you record and then just get into it. And you really feel that you can really sit in that groove and, you you know, you get that you, uh, comedic timing and everything is kind of in sync and you don't have Australia's internet and Skype to deal with, which is, you know, it's good at times, but when it's bad, it's it's a real tough one, isn't it? No one can see this at the moment, but your hand movements of how you're describing the energy in the room is fantastic. I love it. <laughs> it's not really for the podcast, the audio medium, hey, is it? These big gestures. We are interpreters, hey? We're interpreting this for all of the listeners out there. But moving, first of all, the top of our agenda for this podcast here is your Saints and my Dockers they are now, for all intents and purposes, completely out of the finals equation. If I have to hear one more time that Fremantle can mathematically make finals, I will go down to Coburn and probably choke out every single one of them that are there. But we have some thoughts on this. I might kick it off from a Dockers standpoint. Obviously, if you, you will know the result if you follow football at all. It was a last gasp win by the Sainters, Josh Bruce kicks a goal with, I believe, 40 seconds left. Fremantle still managed to get it into their forward line and managed to mess it up from there. I mean, the game, I don't know what you feel. I feel like the game should have been won by Fremantle, if only because they were up by a certain amount with a certain amount of time to go and they had the ball and they kicked it out of bounds 
on the full, on a routine kick it down the line. And I'm not saying necessarily that one team played better than the other to deserve it. I don't think that's really what happened. But I think if you're up by two goals with that amount of time left, I think it was under three minutes, in a territory-based game like AFL is as opposed to basketball where, you know, territory doesn't matter. You can just go the length of the floor in four seconds and score if you want. You should be able to see that out. I don't know what you feel. Did you feel differently, same? I thought it was an arm wrestle all day. Arm wrestle, but it was it was definitely Frio's game to lose from there, wasn't it? And you and you're right, you know, considering the scores were relatively low in a very, you know, Ross Lyon and, and St Kilda style, you know, under seventy points, to kick two goals in, you know, a couple of minutes is pretty heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, I think it was your game to lose from there, really. And but it's it's classic Saints stuff, winning and spoiling someone else's party you know, when it doesn't really matter and kind of a bit the same with Frio, the saints of the West, as I call them, um, <laughs> to lose the game when it was, you know, kind of theirs to, to take. Yeah. Um, um, saints of the West. That's good. Um, it's really funny are, because man. the saints have a just, habit of just ruining my life in strange and definitely. interesting ways. Like this is a great one. Me right? too. <laughs> Me only, too. only, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I uh, like, feel you, bro. <laughs> they can't make finals. They're better off with a better pick. And now is the time right. for right. the, uh, what's his name? For, oh, God, who came back? So for, for, that Dan, for the oh. Dan Hanabry narrative to come oh, back. Course. For the Jack yeah. Steven to kick three yeah, goals coming back. What and he's night, up man. and about. I'm like, can we not against yeah, my dude. team? Does this have oh, to be the narrative yeah. round where all of these things come to pass and Dan Hannery becomes the player that they traded for and blah, blah, blah. I but know. I thought oh, what was bro. also funny about them is a, sting, a, few, man. a few years ago, I was writing an AFL like web series with Caleb McKenna and we, the first week we were starting off the show and it was blending in week to week occurrences in the AFL. So you'd write a basic script, but there oh, were... Wow. There were places for jokes actually in there that were current. And we oh, were like, great. oh, and we hinged the first episode, the entire first episode. We were like, this is in 2014, Fremantle are flying, Saints are absolutely at the bottom. So they get the number one pick that year. And we're like, well, if one thing is certain, it is that Fremantle are going to beat the Saints that Eddie had in this particular game. And we structured a pivotal plot point around that. And then I'm just on the couch watching not only as the Dockers get absolutely pumped out of nowhere by the bottom of the ladder. And I believe at that stage we were, we weren't top of the ladder, but we were competing for a top two spot and just watch them pile on goals and not only ruin my team, but ruin my script. I won't have it, Bart. And then they just found their revenge again in 2019. Oh, it's Five absolutely disgraceful. God but, damn it, man. <laughs> yeah, they, they do this. They do this. They are just the worst team for, you know, you know, doing this kind of stuff, man. Uh, to ruin, if we can't make the finals, we'll ruin someone else's. That's what that's what the Saints will do. Well, I appreciate that. But let's talk about the positives for Fremantle first. I don't want to talk about too many of them because we have lots of other things to cover. But, I mean, it's reflected in a perfect 10 coaches' votes. I thought Fife was oh, absolutely incredible. And it might have been one of the best games I've probably ever seen him play. My new Fremantle motto, if I was pitching myself to someone who was American or Chinese or any other country who was saying, who should I invest in? My motto for Fremantle would be, Fremantle Dockers, come watch Fife try. And that's sadly what it has become. (laughs) But he, I mean, he used to be this kind of like ethereal, young, long-haired, oh, I fly helicopters and I float across packs and isn't life easy and I live out in Lake Grace, isn't that great? And over time, with that burden putting more and more 
pressure on him that that club has had to do by necessity, he's kind of become this weird, not weird, I should say, but just a raging bull. And he's lost that sort of carefreeness in the way he plays. He's brutal and he goes through people, not over or around them anymore. And I find and found this was the best game where he married those two things when he was absolutely brutal when attacking the ball, but you put him in space and there was that goal he kicked off his left boot off one step, which the old Nat 5 when he was just kind of like, you know, getting around and flying over packs, he probably wouldn't have kicked that at all. And it was that perfect marriage of skill and strength on display, which I thought was really a sight to behold. That was a stellar performance, man. And that goal in particular, to do that and to have such strength to keep your feet and then you know, to turn off, like you said, off one step and kick on the left, that big bending 40 metres. I swear that the goal umpire barely moved. Like he watched and just went, well, that's going through. Like straight away it's gone That's never missing. Yeah. Yeah. He was easily the best on ground. And like you said, it was, you know, the bloody, the AFL media, like their prediction of the game, their game review, they they called it. They were like, for Fife to have one of the games of his stellar career and, you know, you get 40 touches or something. And boy, oh boy, pretty good call. He was unbelievable. Like you summed it up perfectly. I haven't I haven't thought about his whole career, obviously because you're a Freo fan. Yeah, I follow it more closely. I have. And I remember that that younger Fife, what he was like. This and he has absolutely transformed because if he's running through in the midfield as an inside mid, you don't want to get hit by Nat Fife, do you? Uh, absolutely Is not. It? And I don't think that was always the case with him. But one thing I did want to also talk about is obviously the other side of that, which is the Saints. I want to ask you a question. Why are the Saints Mm -hmm. going after Todd Goldstein? Because it seems to me that Rowan Marshall is quite good at football. And if you are going to throw money at anyone, I don't understand why it would be an older Ruckman. I mean, for me, I'm not convinced on Josh Bruce. I never have been. I think there are other key forward options out there. And sure enough, the Saints did try and address that, obviously, with the drafting of McCarson at pick number one in 2014, as we mentioned earlier. And nothing against him. He's obviously been concussed and injured and hasn't been able to actually get on the park and show everyone why he was the number one pick in that particular draft. But... Looking at other, I just don't know why they would choose him when Rowan Marshall held his own against Sanderlands with a bung knee as well, which he sustained, I believe, in the first quarter and fought back yes. really heroically to play a role in that win. And I just yeah. feel like there are other things they could get. For example, I say a key forward, but everyone needs a key forward, so that's not saying a whole lot. I feel like their mm. small and mid-sized forwards are quite good. I think Membry has become a really good third tour a la Harry Himmelberg type. It could be really good. I'm not sold on their backs. I think they should go out there and really recruit some people from there because I'm not sold on Battle and Wilkie. Not that they don't try hard, but I feel like against a really good side, if you're trying to build forward, they're the kind of people who can get exposed by your Josh Kennedys, by your Nick, by your Jack Rewaltz, I should say, those sorts of types. But one person I did love was Hunter Clark, and he was a high pick. Yeah, he's coming on, isn't he? I wasn't necessarily convinced of that. Yeah, and he got 26 touches and he was providing so much run and drive. I thought he was really, really something. Do you watch him week in and week out? Absolutely, and he was one of the ones. To be honest, in the in that draft year, the 2017 draft, I wanted Nick Caulfield and Jaden Stevenson, and I wasn't as big a fan of. And there was a few others before Hunter Clark. And when we drafted him, I was like, oh, I don't know, I really wanted Cough though. And then Caulfield's taken a lot longer to. It's been a slow burn, and Clark has been. Um, 
a lot more exciting in his first year than had a bit of that second year blues. But these last eight weeks, I tell you, man, he's got sticky. He's got these sticky mitts and this time in similar fashion to to our boy aforementioned Nat Five and something about Bontempelli as well. He's got that thing that something that they have and. I wasn't the first one to make that comparison. Other people have as well. And, I was going to say, know, you might have things... to point me in their direction because that sounds like some good old-fashioned Saints cheddar, mate. That sounds like just good old-fashioned cheese that you're grading out right there. But there is a bit of cheese. <laughs> there is a bit of cheese. But it, one of, it was, yeah, AFL's, AFL media's there, nine things about the round. It was when we beat the dogs and Hunter Clark was best on ground right. playing on Bontempelli. And so they were like, oh, the Saints may well have found the next Bont because right. he has something about him that's I similar. Don't so, I don't know. I I. I get it in terms of the skill level, but for me, he's different because Bontempelli is slow, but looks like someone who creates space. The thing that struck me, I suppose, about Hunter Clark was he was just fast. He was just zipping everywhere. He was that kind of player who would bolt into space and be able to get there, gather in that Mm. sort of huge amount of space that he created for himself and then zip off with the ball. But maybe I don't watch him week to week. Maybe he does have that little balk and that little movement that Bont has. He's got some. um yeah, he just seems tricks. to have these sticky, yeah, these, these sticky mitts, and you know, people seem to ball watch when he has the ball, and just he's able mm. to move it in a way they're, they're kind of hypnotized, but they're like, just gra- tackle him. Why don't you tackle him instead of he's just swinging who his are, arms around? Who are the great players like that? There's Pendlebury, Pendlebury, Bontempelli. Um, who else has a lot of time and space? David there? Mundy for Fremantle always has. If you, oh, if the basketball backgrounds, my god, <laughs> I always thought and. This is probably controversial. I always thought Jack Watts had a little bit of that about him and he never put it all together, but I've always been yeah, defending I've... Jack Watts forever. No, no, I feel you. I feel he's got a bit of that as well. He's definitely a class act when he gets it all together, but, you know, another one of those careers that's been checkered with a few things. So um, where, where do but... this... Yeah, oh, yeah, well, not even talking about the off-field stuff, <laughs> which, you know, could be its own yeah. podcast from what I hear. I actually have... Very I don't know if I told it on air. I'll save it for another one, but I have a Jack huh. Watts first-hand story when I was traveling through the United States and I oh, heard from Americans about Jack Watts. So we're going to leave that one. I'll leave Jeez. that as a little teaser. Oh, yeah, that, that was a real... juicy, man. That was that's, a real thing. That was a real thing. Hey, juicy. I, want, I know. Well, I'm hoping I someone to listens to this and goes like, I want to hear that goddamn story about Jack Watts. Um, oh, shit, yeah. But where, where do the Saints oh, go from here? Oh, sorry, you got one yeah. more for me? No, I was, I was just going to say on your... Back on your first question about, you know, the pick with the Ruckman and Goldstein and our forwards and whatnot... I agree. I think the ruck one, uh, it's a bit strange. I don't know. I maybe the start of the year we weren't. We really needed work in our rock, ruck stocks, and it's more just the emergence of Rowan Marshall, which I, I'd always hoped for, and Saints fans would hope for. I've seen a lot in him in these first few years, but this year, you know, from rounds eleven to seventeen, he's the number one ranked player in in as per Fox's data system. Sure, number one, number one player in the AFL, like ranking points in those seven Is weeks. Is he really for a third? Yeah, how crazy is that? And some of dude, he's been playing like he did on the weekend for just every week for a few months, for about two, two, two and a bit months. You know, getting the most amount of clearances, number one, you know, in our in our team for clearances, and just playing like another mid when the ball hits the deck. It's actually astounding. So hopefully these um calls for these other ruckmans like Draper, who I saw signed today actually for SMN. four years, yeah. Four years, is it? Jeez. Man, wow, how these... excited is Sam Draper? This guy has never even this. got on the park at <laughs> AFL a... level. And Boy. because someone shows a bit of interest, suddenly he walks his way. And he's got an ACL injury at the moment. He walks mate, himself into mate, a four-year deal. That's wild. He better go down to Moorabbin and, like, shake hands with the St Kilda staff who put those offers to him because he has just – that upped his value 
astronomically. Four he better years. buy a car and played. put Saints paid for this on his license plate. Like that is incredible. Oh, That's yeah. a real North Melbourne move of just having to overpay someone so much oh, yeah. just because and North Saints, Melbourne sniffing The Saints around. and North will be the clubs that will try and <laughs> they'll try and get your players too. They'll be boosting up their value yeah, internally. Absolutely. Um, but, but yeah, I feel with you on that with the the last bit on the saying is um we still got things to work out for sure. And I'm I'm a bit the same with Bruce as you said like Bruce is really good but he won't be the player that takes us to a premiership, but we're hoping that it's Max King who we drafted last year who's had all this year out with that ACL. Oh, so I that's forgot about Max. There. Yes. Oh, and and it's very. I tell you though, Christian, it's very St Kildary in its in its uh, beginnings, an inauspicious start, my friend. Because those, <laughs> he, you know, we we draft Max King when there's there's a there's an identical player in Ben King, and we go the one. You know, he's meant to be more talented one when they were younger, but he's got an ACL injury, and you know, Ben King goes to the Gold Coast. We get Sainers pick Max King, spends a year in the VFL and in rehab rehabbing. Sorry, comes to the VFL and looks great and starts playing good football and kicking bags and taking contested marks and everyone's starting to talk. And then of course, you know, six weeks in goes down, looks like his knee again, isn't his knee gets like tunneled and it, it looks a bit nasty. Isn't his knee though. Ankle syndesmosis out for the rest of the year. <clears throat> and you know, so now every saints fan and saints like, Oh, well next year, you know, we'll reset and go next year. But this is the start that that start and the whole Nick Rewalt number 12, it's very St Kilda, man. Like that is not really a good go... thing to do, man. To just chuck oh, that boy. number on the back there is oh. automatic red flag territory. Big red flag. Don't they know that? <laughs> Give him 38. Like, just chill. Simmer on the king talk. Like, don't do it. To, don't do it, Saints. You He's know how this goes. He's coming back from an ACL. No, he is Nick Rewalt, and I will put his number on yeah. the back of it. <laughs> It's a lot of pressure, man. Well, let's hope anyway that that's that hopefully that's our uh, next ten years. Our forward line is uh, shaped around Mr. King. Yeah, and I do want to see what happens with that back line because, as I say, uh, that True. that for me is the part that needs a lot of work. And it's interesting it coming is. from a Fremantle perspective. That's the part that we need the least work in. You know what I mean? There's so many other line, holes yeah. to plug. But I now think with if there is a version of Hanbury that is fit and is that real number one ace in the hole. Him and Seb Ross worked well together. If Hunter Clark mm. develops into that third midfielder, which allows Billings to be mm. outside, that's kind exactly. of fun. I can see can some see things works, happening there. I would still want one more. If you could get oh, Cornelio yeah. or Cornelio. something like yeah. that, <laughs> that's what you're looking at to really sort of make that a spicy little meatball. Big time, man. That's what we need. A little bit more sauce on there, on that meatball and in the <laughs> midfield. A bit more class. And then, yeah, a bit, bit of work in the back line. But, but Josh Battle, this is his second year and last year he played as a forward. So first year in the back line is looking all right when he's still, you know, still eligible for the rising star and he's playing some pretty solid games. And then, yeah, Wilkie was a bloody accountant last year. So The accountant. <laughs> I remember that. I remember we were talking yeah. about it last time. Oh, mate, the puns haven't stopped since then. Um, but, yeah, so, we, yeah, that needs a bit of work. And Carlisle, Carlisle was good in the last quarter, but geez, when he's slow, he looks slow, doesn't he? Old man Carlisle. Boy, yeah, oh boy. but he's still holding that entire back line together, I feel. He is, isn't he, that anchor. But, mind you, speaking of back lines and backs particularly, I, my back hurts when I watch Jake, uh, Jake Carlisle run around. <laughs> like, it looks, he looks in pain constantly. Hey, but back surgery this year. In the words of The Wire, ain't never going to be what it was. Um, <laughs> we will talk about other games of the round mm. later on in this episode. We have a few things, obviously, to cover, although 
This is coming out on a Wednesday. There's been a lot of other commentary on what we're going to call Slaughter Saturday later on in this program. But the thing I wanted to address really is the meat of this episode. And I flagged it with you beforehand that we're going to get into. Because last time, as I said, you were on this podcast, you had to deal with a rant of mine. And you're going to have to deal with, unfortunately, a rant again. And I love it, baby. I can be your rant punching bag. That's what I like. That's what I like to hear. And this is about Video. Ben Simmons and the AFL and largely the Australian media's treatment of his recent trip back to his home. And notice how I say back to his home and not down yeah. under as lots of other people have loved to describe it because this is his home. But anyway, let's start from the very very beginning of all of this. And let's assume you have no knowledge of who Ben Simmons is. And I can describe this very, very quickly. Ben Simmons is the highest paid Australian athlete in the world. He is the point guard for the Philadelphia 76ers who play in the NBA and they play in America. And recently he has signed the largest deal in Australian sports. He is being paid 170 US dollars in this deal or as the Australian media likes to say, 242 Australian dollars, because that's the denomination that's most important in this. <laughs> Dollary dues indeed. So Ben Simmons is an also an avid AFL fan. He is an avowed Bombers fan. He played AFL growing up. He loves the sport, and so he is back doing, you know, a little bit of that, also a little bit of, let's be real, self-promotion for himself. You know, he's got the Instagram out. He's doing this strategically, as lots of athletes in the world do. And so I have a timeline of how the Australian media turned on Ben Simmons. And it sort of starts on the 6th of August. Ben is down at Punt Road, which is the Richmond training facility. And he is roosting footies on Instagram. And it seems like a lot of fun, but everyone's having a good time. There's good content coming out of it. And I believe it is that same day later on in the evening is where the trouble starts and that is that he gets turned away from crown casino and he puts up on instagram a video of him outside of crown casino with his friends talking about how he believes that they were refused entry because of the color of their skin and he cites the fact that his friend who is white was allowed to go in but none of the people he was with were allowed now crown insist they did nothing wrong. They insist he was turned away because of their dress code and that he was wearing camouflage and that camouflage by definition is not allowed within Crown Casino. Now, Ben Simmons then also says that his friend who was white was wearing camo and then we get into more of the grey area there. And that also led 2GB broadcaster and noted scumbag Steve Price to float the theory that Ben Simmons defended his stance in terms of the being racially profiled by Crown Casino, in order to boost the prospects for a documentary about Adam Goods that Ben Simmons had helped finance. Now I'm, I'm I, wow, I see that I face here. I see that <laughs> face, but wait, I'm not even done yet. This is just oh, the start bro. of it. This is just you, the start. This is, this so is deep then, diving, man. then we get to the oh, weekend. God. Then we yeah, then we get to the weekend oh, where there is a reported interview with, again, noted scumbag Campbell Brown. But now we're bringing in the footy into this. So we started with footy with Punt Road. We took a detour to Crown Casino. Now we're back at the footy. So at some point over the weekend, Campbell Brown, former Gold Coast Sun and former Hawthorne Hawk and Premiership Hawk in 2008, sat down with Ben Simmons. And 
That interview was called off. In fact, it's reported that Ben Simmons walked out of that interview. And when asked what happened, Chris Judd, Brownlow medalist, uh, football, I think he's the... What is he for Carlton? Is he the football the manager? Board. Yeah. Some, yeah. I think he oversees yeah. football um, operations. And this is what mm. Chris Judd had to say. And I quote here. The brown dog thought it was time to bring a little bit of sizzle. And that sizzle to the interview with Ben Simmons. He said, yeah. we've got a fair bit in common, you and I. You drive a Maserati. I drive a Toyota Kluger. You're worth $250 million. And I'm borderline unemployed. And the last thing we have in common is that we've both been denied entry to Crown Casino. This forced Ben Simmons to get up and walk out. And it is worth noting in this, of course, that Campbell Brown is a white guy. And he is alluding to not being let into Crown Casino, not because he's been racially profiled, but because he's a drunken lout some of the time. And that is not said lightly because we will get to Campbell Brown and all of the wonderful things that he has gotten up to in his time, both in the AFL and without. Also on the weekend then, we had Ben Simmons, who was still doing his PR tour, visiting all his mates around various football circles. So he's been at Punt Road with the Tigers. He then goes and visits the Melbourne Demons and hangs out with his good mate, Christian Petrarca. Unfortunately, Chris, P Christian Petrarca is an enemy of this show because I gave him a bake about three weeks ago. But nonetheless, seems to be a thoroughly <laughs> likeable guy who really likes basketball as well. And him and Ben Simmons are tight. And as far as I'm concerned now, Ben Simmons is a friend of this show. So, you know, friends help friends. Uh, Petrarca gives Ben Simmons a Melbourne jersey and they share a nice photo and everything seems perfectly nice. Ben Simmons goes out there for the game with Melbourne and I believe it was Collingwood? Yeah, Collingwood. Yeah, 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 I think it was Collingwood too. Yes. Yep. And he tosses the coin and that's all very nice as well. And of course, this leads to a whack from Kane Corns, a.k.a. the AFL villain that no one ever asked for who basically gets yeah. stuck into Ben Simmons and says, oh, I'm sick of Ben Simmons. You know, why has he, you know, got a Richmond jersey on one day and a Melbourne jersey on the other? Doesn't he, isn't he a Dons fan? Like, he should just go on back to America. I'm sick of him. Okay, corns, man. Jesus. So he inserts himself into Big the nuts. narrative. Yes. And then we get to the final act of this saga, which is Ben Simmons basketball camp. And Ben Simmons holds a basketball camp in Sydney over the weekend and he invites, you know, a whole bunch of kids get tickets to this and they all come down and they all have a good time. And what happens is Ben Simmons pulls up in his very nice car and he gets out and he goes into the clinic and he does the clinic with the kids. And then he gets out, gets out after he's done, gets back in his car and drives off. Now, a whole bunch of kids have lined up to hopefully get pictures with Ben and autographs with Ben. But Ben doesn't do any of that. He just gets into his car and goes. And we'll get into the psychology of why that happened. But that led to another noted scumbag, Alan Jones, to decide that, and I quote here as well, Ben Simmons, I know you're an Australian, but go back to America and stay there. And that's where we're at. And he also said this bloke has lost a lot of people very quickly and basically says that Ben Simmons should stay there. And, you know, he walked straight past fans and didn't sign anything. And, yeah, as I say, he should go back to America. So now my rant begins. I know that was a rant in and of itself, Bart, but that's laying the groundwork here. Now, I'm not going to focus too much on Price and Alan Jones. We know that they're right-wing provocateurs. We kind yeah. of know what they're about and how they might react to this situation. But I think it's yeah, ridiculous right. and disgraceful that Price would suggest that Ben Simmons called out racism to promote a movie with absolutely no 
evidence of any kind. And I think these kind of comments yeah. are very predictable of Alan Jones as well. And also largely... With, with Adam Goods, like some... Well, we'll get there as well. Because what this shows, what actually, you know, he made an Adam Goods link there that was entirely erroneous, but he's actually more right to link them than he thinks. Because what this shows from their point of view and the wider Australian media is, if you call out racism in Australia, we simply don't believe you. And we don't even ask whether it was right or wrong to do so. We look to hunt you down and shame you and persecute you, even if that's our highest paid athlete who went number one in the NBA draft a mere few years ago. And in that sense, there actually is a link to exactly what happened to Adam Goods there. And I think Titus O'Reilly said it the best when he said, it's good to know that after Adam Goods, we've learned so much since then and had a photo of Ben Simmons up. So I think if Titus O'Reilly is skewering it the best, I'm not going to mince too many words there. But let's turn to the AFL element of this, which is Kane Corns and Campbell Brown. Oh, lovely, lovely man of the AFL media, hey? Yeah, exactly. Well, oh. Kane Corns simply doesn't understand young people. He's never tried to. He doesn't care. I mean, for him to call out the fact that you wear different jerseys is oh ridiculous God, when you think about how... Yeah, exactly, when you think about how ridiculous. people express their fandom now. And I think that's a really great thing for Ben Simmons to come back and involve himself with as many people rather than yeah, hang out at that's... Essendon at Windy Hill. Right? Just, yeah, exactly. How, how stupid is that? Instead, instead you go to Melbourne you, and where your mate plays and you put on the Guernsey or you go to Richmond where everyone loves that you're there and the kids love it and the fans love it. And, like, it's actually wild, isn't it? Everyone loves what he's doing, all the people that would be at those places. And same with it at the... At the camp, at the training camp, they would have loved having Ben Simmons there. Totally. But as you said, he's the highest paid athlete Australia has, and he's a massive superstar globally. Well, he's it just shows if you, if you call out if you call life. out racism, will turn on you. Doesn't matter how much your and you know you can your pay packet is a source of pride for us. You know, oh look at this Australian is mm. doing so well until you say something that we don't all agree with. And then your pay packet yeah. is turned against you. And now you're an elitist. Yep. You don't hang out with any of the fans. I mean, despite the fact that he has been down yep. to now, I think it's three football clubs and he's running clinics in Sydney and Melbourne. It's now never going to be enough for us. Yeah, that's because not you enough. made us consider that there may be racism in the world. And you best believe that everyone's going to turn on you there. And let's turn then to Campbell Brown, who oh, what yeah. he said, you know, trying to compare his plight to Ben Simmons. I mean, on its face is probably more insensitive than anything else. He went for a joke that didn't land. But why is he making this joke? Why does he think that his experiences of getting kicked out of Crown Casino should be compared to a black man who has, in his eyes, been denied entry to Crown Casino because of the colour of his skin? And more fundamentally, not even more fundamentally, I should say, but also as another layer to this, why does Campbell Brown think he needs to insert, and I quote, sizzle into an interview? What does he think the role of a journalist is? I really yeah. don't understand that. And it reflects a fundamental misunderstanding on Campbell Brown's part of what racism is. Ben wasn't turned away for doing the things Campbell Brown does. It was because of his skin colour. And now let's turn into Campbell Brown as well. Why is he doing this interview? I mean, this is someone who admittedly he wasn't all Australian in 2007. He does have some credentials in terms of, you know, being a football voice. But I'll tell you this, he was dropped from the leadership group of the Gold Coast Suns in 2011 for a bar fight in Thailand. I mean, you're being dropped 
from the leadership group of the Gold Coast Suns, who arguably have the worst culture that the AFL has ever experienced. I mean, this was a club <laughs> in which half the group were praying in a corner with Gary Ablin excluding all the others, and the other half were just doing rampant drugs. And you weren't a good oh, leader to boy. them. <laughs> he got kicked out of their leadership group. And then two years later, Campbell Brown is sacked from the Gold Coast Suns for breaking future vice captain Stephen May's jaw in another bar fight in another country in America and Los Angeles. Yeah. And then he becomes a right-wing talking head on Sky News commenting on Emmanuel Macron of all things. And why did we think that this person was a great choice to interview Ben Simmons? And I've talked about the state of AFL media on this before, but this is the perfect example of just absolute nuffy behaviour masquerading as journalism. And I don't understand it, Bart. Talk me through it's, why this has happened. I, th- I think they think that people are just dumb and they want to see like that footballer that we know from, from when we were younger, Campbell, let Campbell get into him. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'd like to think that the audience is smarter than this and we deserve better people than some fucking racist, you know, interviewing Ben Simmons and bringing in a bit of sizzle, which also definitely would have been a thing that he wasn't allowed to bring up. He wasn't interview. actually. I forgot to say that. He was expressly told not to bring Absolutely. that up. Absolutely. Right. And and if you're, if you're one of the most famous people in, definitely in Australia and in, if not the world, and you've got some – that's a lot of pressure. Like you have no idea – none of us have any idea what this must be like having that much pressure. Surely you can give them the respect to not bring up something that they've asked you not – if they're giving you the time and then they've asked you not to bring something up and then you show that disrespect to bring up and add a little sizzle about something, about an incident where we're talking about racial profiling in Australia and – it's 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 downright disrespectful. It's just it's horrible. And I don't know, clickbait. What is it? Get some more views. I uh, yeah. He down. must have like, he must have had a plan for it. But also, I think what it also speaks to is Ben Simmons as a person is is kind of standoffish, and he is very American, and that's the way that they express themselves. You know, they earn an ungodly sum of money. They have to protect their interests. They have to protect their image. There are bigger wheels at work here than Campbell Brown and his little bit of sizzle. And there are bigger wheels at work than Kane Corns not liking the fact that you wear different clubs' jerseys and things like that. We love our athletes when they're very much like like we are. Like, and I don't mean like Australians. I mean like, like me and you sitting here now, they are people yeah. who are defer. They should defer to us, not that we should defer to them. He should go out there and sign every single kid who didn't get a ticket to his clinic and who lined up because he does it for them all the time. And that's not the American model of doing things. I mean, you are the face of the franchise of one of the high, you know, one of the biggest clubs in a global sport. People pay for your time, not the other way around. But also I think what's sad as well, and the same thing happened to Adam Goods is, He's a damn good ambassador for the game and we're stripping him of that. I mean, he loves the Dons. He loves yeah. Melbourne and has never forgotten where he's from. He still oh, speaks mate. with the Australian twang in his accent. He comes back and runs camps. He visits all of these AFL clubs and gives we're them him away. a popularity boost they otherwise wouldn't have had on the global scale. And yeah. we decide that we need to tear him down for that. I just can't yeah. understand it and I can't understand the right-wing circus that has decided to engulf him and that everything was good about him and is now bad. And I find that really sad. 
I hope it, that, that most people don't think like that at all. You know, I hope it's just some big circle jerk with all these journalists and they're just making some stories up as they go along. But it feels, it does feel similar to, to you know, you're right with, um, well, Titus O'Reilly was right making those comparisons. There are like, shades of it. There are absolute shades of it because there, now- There really is. Now you have to defend yourself and you double down and then all the hangers on get involved and it's just, it blows up and it doesn't need to. I like to think that we're we're further from that. We've learned something, but and maybe we have. Hopefully, like I said, it's just you know these few people that have this opinion or they're making up this trash. But I like to think that most people don't feel think that way. I don't feel that. Like I don't know, man. Have you ever been on a big footy forum? Those guys <laughs> are pretty full on. Oh man, yeah, I have, and they are. <laughs> There's a lot of arguments. I like AFL Reddit. AFL Reddit's very nice and everyone is witty and fun and I enjoy that a hell of a lot. Shout out AFL Reddit. And a lot of people are big footy of fun as well. But then you get in some real depths. I mean, hey, you want to talk about rumours, that Collingwood rumour about 10 players were going to get suspended. Guess where that originated? Oh, I wonder. Yeah, big footy is just like absolute garbage, 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 garbage. And then there'll just be like one person who's like, hey, Cornelio is going. Yeah, there'll be some nugget here. in there that'll and end up being true. Yeah, right. But the rest is trash, as I said. I think the yeah. worst one, though, is I think I'm in a Facebook group called The Real AFL Alliance. And holy moly, that place is a racist, xenophobic cesspool. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Yeah, that's the. Uh, there's another Saints one. It's called Sensational. That's like that. That's the. Ah. Yeah. No good, man. No one needs it. No one's got time for it. But hey, let's, let's pivot now. Let's talk about some. Sure. Actually, I was going to say some happy things, but I look read what's next, and it's sad. We're talking about retirements. Oh man! Well, mate, <laughs> you know what? You know, it can be it can be sad in the same way as you know, death is perhaps, or you know, <laughs> grieving. And but but you know, you look at the good things in someone's life or in someone's career, and they can you know, there's some light there, right? Yeah. Well, we've got Sanderland and Roughhead, two titans of their respective clubs, retiring. I want to ask you though, first of all, before we get into their sort of legacies, farewell games. Are you for them or against them? I'm normally don't really care either way or I'm not, I'm not as much for them. Normally I don't, I don't talk really me through why. In, sorry. Talk me, th- talk, talk me through why. Yeah. I don't know. I feel if it's just your regular player who's played, you know, a hundred something games and they've been, you know, they're a servant of the club and they've done their thing, but if it's time for them and they're not making the best 22, I don't, I don't think you need to give everyone a farewell game because otherwise if you're doing that with everyone, where do you set the standard of how many games you've played or what do you mean to the club to get a farewell sure. game? How, I don't know how that would all work, but I do think though there are um, exemptions or there's certain examples. And this is probably one of them when you've had an absolute stalwart of the club of the club and has been a captain, a premiership hero. Like if it's someone like this, I can understand it. And you're out of finals and there's a couple of games you're playing Gold Coast. Why not? I can, yeah, I, I think he called out Gold Coast as well today. I was like, oh, thank God it's the Suns. And it's like, oh, man, you don't have to do the Gold Coast Suns like that. They've got little, enough problems already. Yeah, it was a drive-by, man. Absolutely. Then again, to be honest, if you've won four premierships, you've been All-Australian twice, won a Coleman and beaten cancer, maybe yeah. you can drive by anyone you goddamn well want. That's right. In your farewell lap of honour, you can just be throwing You can shade. tell Richmond to suck eggs. You can tell yeah. Carlton to suck eggs. You can ask West Coast. You've got as many premierships as they've had in their whole career and they're a successful club. You can just give it yeah. left, right and centre. Unfortunately, you know my what, boy... Clarko? Fuck you too. <laughs> yeah, Clarko absolutely could get one. Yeah. Um, the last one. Unfortunately, the person who can't is poor old Aaron Sandlands, my guy, number 31, who's bowing out boy. as well. Four-time All-Australian Ruckman, three times actually in the Ruck and once on the bench as well. 
I was actually looking a little bit of research before we jumped on air, and I feel like Aaron Sanderlands and Dean Cox had one of the best sort of ruck rivalries, which I only think at the moment is rivaled by what we have now, which is Grundy yeah, and Gorn. Grundy and Gorn. It yep, seems to be absolutely. like for a few years there, it was just, was it going to be Dean Cox or Aaron Sanderlands to be the All-Australian Ruckman? Although there was that one weird year where Dean Cox was named in a forward pocket. It's like, what is happening there? Uh, and the, and Crafty Dean Cox. Well, it's so weird. Crumbs. I looked it up and um, there was kind of like in between Grundy Gorn now and Cox Sandlands. They were kind of just like a bunch of weird All-Australian Ruckmans. I don't mean weird and they're bad, but they're just one and done. So like Will Minson was in there. Goldie was Jeez. in there one year. Paddy Ryder was in there one year, but they're all just sort of one and done. So the guy who you have a massive asterisk next to, pardon me, is Nick Natanui. Because that dude could have been anything, and he probably oh, would yeah. have dominated rocks, rucks for that time had he not had to deal with injury. But I feel yep. like Aaron Sandlands will he'll be remembered so fondly by Dockers fans. But in some ways, and it, it, the amazing thing about him as well is he was never injured for a long, long period of time. Someone that tall and that big would play every game was How? incredible. How? I have no man. idea. How? He's an absolute warrior. Look at that man. He looks like the guy that you bring out in like 300, like the big unit out of the, who's in chains, <laughs> you know, when you're versing an enemy and you bring out Aaron Sanderlands because he's so massive and such a warrior. He was playing um, on the weekend and Caitlin, my partner, my fiance, I should say, is watching. She just goes, who's that 50-year-old man out there? I was like, um, that is club <laughs> champion Aaron Sanderlands. Four-time Australian ruckman. Um, the but huge I, dad. <laughs> the big dad. There'll never Who's be that a massive dad on the field. <laughs> do you know who the other oh, massive? Do you know who the other massive dad is? Who I always say is Tom Hickey for West Coast. I'm like, whose oh, yeah. dad just put on the boots and ran out there? And he's a real '70s dad as well. He's just yeah, hairy and just sort yeah. of like you can just imagine him going off stage and playing bass afterwards, like. Well, absolutely. He's also got a bit of crazy. He's got a bit of crazy in his eyes too. Tom oh, Higgy. yeah, bit big of Manson, time. Bit of Manson in his eyes. So he's around <laughs> that era looking as well. By the way, shout out, shout out Mindhunter. It's back uh, It's back this week, I believe. So let's Ooh, all get around that. Great. Yeah, absolutely. We hey, go. we're a crossover podcast here. Netflix, give me your money. I'm plugging yeah, your on. stuff. Come on. Sponsor us both, Rug Rover and AFL. Hey, let's we'll all it. take it, baby. We'll plug whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, let's turn back to the games. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, let, do you want to talk about Snow Game? Oh, yeah. What a crazy time. Absolutely. Um, I watched Snow Game at, yeah, right? I watched uh, Snow Game with my friend Dylan Savile. Let's shout out Dylan Savile as well. He produces a show on ABC Grandstand for Limo. Absolutely. Get around, Dylan. I watched it with Dylan, right? I was watching it with Dylan up in Sydney at the courthouse, and he's a Hawks man. Um, and so it was exciting to watch it with him, with, you know, seeing Hawthorne just pump the Giants, with, which was pretty cool crazy just i don't know i guess a bit of a, a master class again by clarko but yeah the big news how about that snow it was amazing just well, seeing the like children right yeah awesome. exactly i thought it was i thought it was a lot of fun and it was amazing to see the snow at the ground for the first time but also like i hate to put on that hat and call it but people were saying oh you know why did they put a game down in canberra in august in winter that's ridiculous of course there was going to be snow da, 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 da. What happened is climate change, yeah. man. What happened was an unprecedented cold front came through and dumped amounts of snow, the likes of which we had yeah. literally never seen at this time of the year. So let's just call oh, it God. what it was rather than just be like, oh, that was a weird thing that happened that had never happened before and happened now. I guess it's the schedule's <laughs> fault. No, it's it not the happened. schedule's fault. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, it's Travis Olden, the scheduling team at AFL's fault for this. It's not <laughs> Yeah, not our not environment. The, not the environment at all. But um oh, yeah, God. I don't think there's too much I mean, I think some of the Clarko stuff 
was a little bit like, oh man, oh, and he took his shirt off Blanco. one time and everyone just loved it and they got around the boys. I mean, let's be real. The, the GWS Giants were without Ward, Canelio, Josh Kelly. So they're three best midfielders to start with. Then we throw oh in God, Himmelberg, man. Sam Taylor, Finlayson, and then Jacob Hopper, who was BOG the week before, was a late yeah. withdrawal. I mean, when you've and got no Cameron- midfield... And Cameron was playing sore, I believe, as well, oh, which I guess most well? people are playing sore now. Right. And Toby Green was amazing through the middle of the ground. Like, you, when you have to take your most creative forward and put them in the centre bounds full time, you're going to struggle. And also, they were playing two rucks as their full forwards. I was like, oh, man, that's not what you want at all, is it? Right. And then let's not forget the, the snow. <laughs> let's also not snowing. forget the massive amounts of unprecedented snow that fell on yeah, the game. But one thing I do want to talk about, to die. I can't respect any club that bans long sleeve jumpers. So I'm giving Hawthorne a spray and I'm giving yep. the West Coast Eagles a spray because they are objectively the best Ooh. jumpers that exist and they are a wonderful thing for this sport to have long sleeve jumpers. And if you don't have them, you're an animal and I hate your club. Here, here. And West Coast, they have that as well. They can't, no they can't wear sleeves. They can't oh, wear long so sleeves. And the deprived, those, those right. blue sleeves would look damn good. Or maybe if you chuck some gold sleeves on there, so the wings oh, are going down to gold, awesome. mate, you're absolutely crushing. Awesome. Oh, the Hawks are depriving themselves massively, man. Oh, that stripe game, of course. out of control, dude. That would be Hawks amazing. Hawks and Eagles. Particularly absolutely. the, the uh, West Coast Eagles indigenous Guernsey with, in a long sleeve because they oh, are the best. They have such good indigenous damn, Guernsey. Damn, son, and the feathers sleeve. went down onto it. Oh, yes. You wouldn't I'd wear that read out. about it. I'd wear that out, out and about. I mean, I'm a West Dockers fan, so I wouldn't, but I would love to see someone else who I liked wearing it, and I'd be like, that's a damn good jersey. Absolutely. What is and, the and best long sleeve jersey out there? Um, do you know what? I do like Carlton's. I don't oh, know, the long navy it. blue? Yeah, it's very clean. I don't know. There's something I like about it. And I'm not a big football as in a soccer fan because it's got a bit of a soccer feel about it, the long sleeve yeah, navy blue. but. I don't know. I do like it. That's what springs to mind. Yeah, I'll always, sh- I'll always shout out Stripes because North Melbourne, like the Jasper Pittards of the world, are always rocking some nice blue and white stripes. But I think mine, this is going to be a super weird one, <laughs> but I love white long sleeve jerseys for some reason. So Rory Lobb a few weeks ago wore the long sleeve white Dockers one, looking fly did, as did, hell out did there. Did he pull it up a little bit? Did yeah, he, a little, he pulled Lobb. it up a little bit. And then oh, yeah. Toby Green rocks the Giants away white jersey. Looks fire out there. Looks absolutely good, fire. Yeah, that's a good point. He does run that well. Particularly when a player is good and they run the long sleeves, there's something. You know, uh, it's James Hurdish, man. You know. Uh, yeah, there it is. What do you want to talk about about Bulldogs Dons? So the Dons gave up 21 goals in oh, a row. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness, dude. I that is um this is pretty scary as a Dons fan and I think I think a few of my pessimistic Dons mates um cuz they they know where they're at, I think. I think the the they were talking about this a few weeks ago and they were worried. And I was like, "Oh, you're looking all right, but they're like, "Nah, I'm worried." And now after these these two weeks again, Port by 60 points and then the the Bulldogs They've got your boys over there in a tough week. I know. I, I still think they could win, though. I mean, Matty Lloyd wrote them off on Access All the Areas on Monday, and I was like, ah, oh, I just feel like the Dockers yeah. aren't that team that you think we are, and we might just mess it up. You are very good at home, but it is annoying, much like it was annoying to Cops and Kilda when it's like, hey, all our players are coming back. Happy story. Brett Ratton's the new guy. Yeah, I don't want to play them after they've just conceded 21 goals in a row. What I have to think, I want to sit in that for a moment because imagine once the 12th goal sails over your head. Imagine that, just watching the 12th goal and you're like, all right, 
this will not stand. We yes. have literally conceded 12 goals in a row. I won't have it. Not yeah. one more. And then you watch nine more just sail over. And what the most staggering thing is, people were talking about what was worse, 21 goals in a row or North Melbourne only kicking one goal for the game against the Adelaide Crows. Which one do you think is worse? I I think... I think 21 goals. I think 21 goals yeah. as well. I at think least, 21 goals. At least Kangaroos did one thing right because they held yeah. Geelong to 69 points. So like, yeah, that's right. not a huge. And they kicked and a they bunch kicked of behinds like as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah they they yeah. were just like, ah, it's just not our night. We're doing it. As I say, it once cold. the 12th goal sails over your head, you're like, <laughs> we got to do something here. And then there's just a bunch more behind Nine it. more. And you, you, don't, you kick, not only that, they kicked their first goal in the first like 20, 30 seconds. So it was as close and to the start as they kicked three goals get. at the end of the game as well. They kicked the last three junk, junk time, time goals. Just total junk time. And that Tibble one was like four minutes to go. Incredible. That is a long time. Like it's unbelievable. And like you said, I, I, we're on the same page with North, you know, North kicked a goal, kicked a bunch of, of points and, it was cold. It, they only against the best team in the competition. Well, best team, best team top statistically, of the, top of the ladder. Top of the ladder. Right? That's right. And North, you know, fifteenth, sixteenth. They lose by forty-five points. That's not crazy. But for Essendon to be twenty-one goals and be a hundred and twenty points down or whatever it was, and then to get a few in junk time, that's uh, that's that's far worse. That's well, I'd, shocking. I'd be interested to see what your you both yourself and your Essendon friends think. For me, I would focus on. Essendon's midfield. I mean, you're losing inside 50 counts. I got it here, 66 to 37. That is yikes. You have over 100 more disposals than your opponent. That is the Bulldogs had over Essendon. Zaharakis, I don't know where that dude's at, but he had 13 touches. David Myers had 11 touches playing in the midfield. Dylan Shield had 23 going at 56% disposal efficiency and four players. That's always been the knock on him. And every always time we been. hear that he's turned it around, we just get turned in a performance like that. And yeah. then I look at the dogs mids who are awesome. You've got McRae, Dunkley and Hunter who all had over 30 possessions and went at 69% or higher with disposal. I'm like, well, there you've got all your players who aren't getting the ball. And when they do, they butcher it probably under yeah. pressure. I imagine if you look at the stats and meanwhile, the dogs are walking it out of everywhere. Yeah, and you didn't even mention mention Bontempelli in that mid as well. Ex- like, exactly right. Ri- ridiculous. I, yeah, I, I think I, I said it a couple of years ago with with the Dons. Just they needed when they lost Joe Watson, they they never really replaced an inside mid who can dish it out to no. their classier fast p- players. And then they went out and got Dylan Shield, which I said I said it in the trade period. I was like, that's all well and good, but he isn't what you needed. He's not yeah. the player they needed. I mean, they drafted Darcy Parrish, who they were hoping would fill out. He didn't. He's a classy-ish outside player now. I think yep. they still keep persisting with Kyle Langford, and he is wearing Job Watson's number. And the only notable thing that Kyle Langford has ever done is when that ball earlier in the year went, was going to go out of play and he ran past it and it stayed in play and the other player picked it up and ran off. That's all I know of Kyle Langford. And I watched oh, that dude that's play. Right. That was against the Saints. That was against, was it against the <laughs> that Saints? Was, that was amazing. It was. Just watching him run oh, yeah, to the bench past the ball that was still in play. Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely That was incredible. very good. Not stand on the mark, just run off on the bench. Yeah, yeah. That was, um, that summed up their day. Yeah, that's Kyle Langford. There he is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not his biggest fan. Um, do you have anything you want to say about the pineapple grapple, a.k.a. the Q Clash? Oh, matey. Jer- that's right. The Charlie Cameron gra- kicking six. I, and I think we were on... I think we did our podcast last Q Clash. Did we? 
pineapple grapple. That's that's when I heard this term. There it is. How fun. Maybe this is we'll have our little um Q clash catch up. Uh, hey man, no <laughs> one else is our... covering it, so you better believe someone should. Me and you will become experts. We'll fly out to Metricon next year. We'll do a pod from out there. I would love it. I would absolutely. Mate, love I would. That. I would love that. I'll tell you what. The boys North are on Coast tour. Twenty twenty uh, Metricon Stadium. <laughs> catch us. There we go. Uh, mate, I, I am up for that. It might be a burning pile of trash, the Gold Coast, but it looks like it's pretty nice at Metricon there. It looks the beautiful, doesn't it? Bit it of a vibe. Absolute Bit of a vibe, vibes. Right? I'm all about that horn section too, the little the little sack. Uh, yeah, little trumpet. There I like go. it. Who else does that? So do pa- do the power now have like, oh no, the crows do. They have like, ah, oh, ah, oh, at home when they oh, score. that's right. They do that's have right. that. That's I don't think, I don't know if anyone else has one actually. D- dude, uh, there's. Uh, oh, the no, lions the giants, have a roar. Oh, no, Surely the lions have the- a roar. They must do. A few of them have some things. i tell you what, quick, this, this Saints have, whoever's working in that position at St Kilda, they're like, um, fan curate, who's curating the sound and the and and the stuff on game day that's like the hype up tracks and the music after goals. Man, they do a terrible job. Some some of the clubs really nail it. We don't, man. It's it's weird. We do like some weird acapella version of people singing "Oh, when the Saints," but it's a pre-recorded thing and it comes out and you hear it and it makes you stop cheering because you hear something. And you're like, oh, what's that? What's that weird noise? And then it's really. It's it's terrible, man. I'm going to pitch something to him, I swear. Well, who's got ones like that? Because that's funny because Fremantle have the weird dude now. They never used to have this, but since they moved to Optus, they have a guy with an electric guitar at home who just starts oh, shredding yeah. and he's on the top of the stadium. The so roof. that's a whole thing yeah. that they do. West Coast have the weird thing where they now don't come out through a banner. They come out through an inflatable chicken, which is just Eagle, yeah. for such a proud and a- successful club. That is just hilarious to me. They run through its butthole and out its mouth. <laughs> Very classy, isn't it, from the Eagles? Exactly. And the Saints have the little... Burr, burr. No, sorry, the Suns have the little trumpet, which I'm all for the trumpet. I think we're that both pro. Good. We're both That's pro trumpet one. here. That's Lions right. have That's the, the roar. The Actually, the best one is Port Adelaide, and they all sing with their scarves yep. up, football style, never tear us apart. That is the zenith. Right. That's what everyone's trying to get to. 100%. It, yeah. is, it is the example that I always use with that, and they nail it. But whether you like in excess or not, like, and personally, I don't, I'm not a fan or anything. I just think they've nailed how that should be. You know, the build up, the whole, you know, everyone starts singing, they start, they hold up. It's perfect for their market. Everything about it's it is great. perfect. And then the fact that the best thing for me personally, as a musician, is just that it gets that build up, and then everyone's like, never tears up, bam, siren goes, yeah, like you're here in Adelaide, tough game. We're all, it's perfect. Absolutely. Does anyone else do up? it? You pump yeah. I don't think anyone does it better. Players up. Yeah. Are they, no one does. You're right. So, and we do it. We're down the bottom, man. Gold Coast up there with Port saying this. Jeez, it needs work. Honestly, I think I'm going to pitch something to it, to Claire White. If she's, you, she's the girl I need to talk to. If you're listening right now and you know that your club does another weird sort of game day engagement, please let us know. We're obviously not at Carlton Games all the time or anything like that. Oh, I do know the Sydney Swans always do Sweet Caroline. I think it's at three-quarter time, which is a weird sort of energy one. It gets people singing, but you want to feel a cauldron, and you do not feel a cauldron with Sweet Caroline. You feel like you're dancing with your dad or something like that while he's had a few too many <laughs> yeah. whiskeys at Christmas. I think that's not oh, quite God. the vibe you need going into a tight no. and rough-and-tumble third quarter. Yeah, the premiership quarter. Unless they sing, like, third quarter time or like three quarter time yup, yup. i get around that bit of fun yeah i, I don't <laughs> think no, they do right. do that i don't think they do that oh, okay. even remotely in that case, I, I hate it then <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that's all the time we have for now. But thanks so much for coming on, mate. Always great to have you on. And if you are listening to this podcast, please listen to Bart as well at AF Eloquence. It is an absolute cracking pod. Bart, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Christian. Always a pleasure, mate. 